You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace to us expressed in so many ways. Thank you for the reassurance that you are holding our lives, that your goodness follows after us. So, Lord, we just praise you and we worship you. And as we turn to your word now, we invite you to come and speak through it to us, right into our hearts. We welcome you, Lord. Amen. Well, if you want a title today, my title is simply Honest to God. You know, last week we began to talk a little bit about well-being, attending to what is on the inside, knowing that what is on the inside invariably works its way to the outside and can impact what or who is around us for good or otherwise. So we, we have to learn to look after ourselves. You've probably heard the adage that the best gift you can offer to the world is a healthy you. I believe that. I know it's hard maybe in this season. And actually, if you're not in great shape right now, this is not meant to add an additional burden to you. But this is for us all to acknowledge that these are difficult days. It's not easy to keep ourselves well and in good shape and for our well-being to be what or how we really want it to be. I find it so interesting that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbours as ourselves, which is a very interesting phrase, really, to love, to give, to act for the benefit and the protection of others, just as we do for ourselves. It is assumed that we will protect and act to benefit ourselves, to keep ourselves in good shape, healthy on the inside and the outside. But in reality, this is something that can be difficult for all of us at times. Last week, Dr. John brought us some great teaching from the book of Proverbs with the encouragement for us to guard our hearts, looking after our well-being by attending to the food of the word, the focus of our worship and the friends that we're walking with. All great advice and we will all be stronger if we attend to those things. But this morning, I want to stay on this theme of well-being and attending to what is on the inside of us. But not necessarily assuming a neutral starting point. I want to get real with us today about the reality of what we might be carrying on the inside of us. Perhaps pain, perhaps grief, maybe even trauma. You know, those things might be true of us as a congregation at any point in time, but perhaps especially as we come maybe gratefully towards the end of 2020. And I think maybe attending to our well-being might require for us to acknowledge the pain, the discomfort, the sadness, the loss, the grief, maybe the anger that we find inside of us. Now perhaps we can feel that a good Christian is always in control of their emotions. Now that is a decent aspiration, but I think sometimes it's overrated. It, had been, it has been said that the very reason God made us with the ability to cry is so that we can see when each other is hurting. But for most of us, when we experience raw emotion of our own, 
maybe pain or grief or anger, it's not always easy to know what to do with that. And in much of British culture, we would perhaps tacitly be encouraged to suppress those kinds of emotions. We certainly learn to cover up. There are various tactics for us uh, to try not to cry in public. I'm sure you know them. The, the kind of the fast blinking is one of them. The, uh, the upward blow, as if, as if you can hold back the tears with a blow. There's, there's the turning away so someone can't actually see you and the running to the toilet to wash your face with cold water to hope that it won't be seen so you can keep your emotions under wraps. I know it's not just me. And even for us in the church, we perhaps don't talk about this enough. We are a praising, celebrating, faithful church. And you know, the truth is, I don't really want to be part of a community that isn't those things, because those things are life-giving. But there are also some other expressions that need to find voice in our walk with God, both as individuals and as a body together. And this morning, I'm going to talk about lament. To lament is to feel or express sorrow or regret for something. It is to mourn over, to express grief or to mourn deeply. And in the Bible, there are many, many laments. The prophets are full of laments. I mean, there's even a book called Lamentations. It is a book of laments. And the book of Psalms in the Bible, which contains some of the best songs and poems of praise and thanks, we go to it often. In the 150 chapters, a third of those psalms are psalms of lament. And they can help us to know what to do with what is on the inside of us. So turn with me, if you will, today to Psalm chapter 13. This is a psalm that was written by David. It is a psalm of lament written in what must have been a really tough season for him. This is Psalm chapter 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. A simple psalm, just six verses. But this psalm can give us something of a framework to help us to learn to lament, to express, to find voice for the sorrow and the grief inside of us. So I invite you to walk with me today through four simple stages that David moves through in this lament. Four basic elements. Number one, turn to God. Turn to God. The psalmist David, he's here, he's in a dark place, a tough place. He's got no indication as to whether or when this is going to end. I don't know if you can imagine uh, being in a prayer meeting in a group or in a breakout room on a Zoom prayer meeting and the person in your group praying like this, how long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? You'd be concerned for them, wouldn't you? You'd know they were in a tough time, in a difficult place, as you heard them being honest to God in the midst of their pain, turning to God. To turn to God, it sounds really simple, but sometimes in the midst of sorrow, turning to God can be harder than it sounds. There's something in us in those moments that sometimes instead of turning to God, it makes us want to blame God. Job's wife in the Bible did something like this. In the midst of terrible suffering, she called on Job to do just this. She said, curse God and die. Blame God, curse God, forget your faith. The subtext of what she's saying is, this is too big for your God. This is too big for your faith. So there's a temptation for us to blame God, to distance ourselves, to turn away from God in those moments. So the first thing the psalmist teaches us in his lament is in the midst of pain, of sorrow, of grieving, of frustration at the status quo is turn to God. You don't have to be ready to praise. You don't have to have your thoughts ordered, tidied up, made respectable. There is room to come and to be honest to God. Come as you are. But in this place of sorrow, there's always a choice for us as to which way we will turn, which way we will lean. Are we going to lean in or are we going to withdraw? The psalmist shows us the way in lament. Turn to God. Choose to talk to God about what is happening in whatever way you can. Don't wait to tidy up your feelings and responses. Come as you are. Turn to God. Now, maybe you don't know how to process the diagnosis that you've been given. Turn to God. Maybe you don't know how to begin to come to terms with the loss of a loved one. Turn to God. Maybe you know you're struggling, but you can't even articulate how or why. Turn to God. Perhaps you're treated unfairly and you see no hope of justice being done. Turn to God. This is the first thing that David shows us in this psalm of lament. The second step that we learn from David is to bring your complaint. He carries on, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? I don't know who or what David's enemy was here. It could have been Saul, David's jealous predecessor who tried on many, many different occasions to kill him. Maybe it was Absalom, David's treacherous son who tried to steal his throne. It could have been death. It could have been an illness that might have led to death. We don't know for sure. What we can see from David's words is that his enemy was causing him very real distress. So David turned to God, he cried out to God, and then he brought him his complaint, humbly but honestly. He identified the questions, the pain, the frustrations that were raging in his soul. He laid them out before God. He brought him his complaint. He said it as it was, he was honest to God. He brought him his complaint. And so David encourages us, don't let the questions, the pain, the grief just be pushed down, suppressed or buried or covered. 
looking for something else to take your mind off it, which may or may not work that well. Don't pretend the feelings and responses aren't there, but bring your complaint to God humbly and honestly. Lord, I don't understand what is happening. Why have you allowed this to take place? Why have you not answered my prayer? Can you hear me? How long must I face this situation? Bring your complaint to God, honest to God. In my experience, it's not always that God answers those questions we bring in those times, but something happens to me in the process. Because the parts of me that would rage or would crumble or shrink back or harden or die because of what's been faced or experienced, as I bring my complaint to God, those parts of me begin to be opened up to God, to his light, to his hope, to his grace. And those things can begin to reach into those places that before were closed off. I may not feel it in the moment of bringing my complaint, but it changes my positioning before God. So the encouragement of David is this, from his Psalm of Lament, turn to God, bring your complaint to him. Don't wait until you can articulate it well, or you can understand it better, or have some control over your emotions. Bring your complaint, come as you are, come humbly but honestly to God. Come with your struggle, come with your pain, your grief, your questions. Bring your complaint. The third step David points us to is to ask boldly for help. See, David moves on from simply bringing his complaint to make an ask of God. He says, look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He says, look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. To seek God's help in a place of sorrow is an act of faith. It draws on the fact that we know that God is merciful, that we know that God is loving, that we know he delights to do good and to bless. And to ask for his help is to act in faith that God does not change and he desires what is good for us. When I was growing up in some settings, I was taught that it was not polite to ask. You wait to be offered. And sure, probably in some settings, I would uh, have wanted and still want my children to conduct themselves in that manner. But in our parenting, we sometimes made a de deliberate decision, sometimes but not always, to reward our children for asking. And we did that for the distinct reason that we wanted them to understand that with Father God, you do not have to wait to be offered. In fact, you're invited to ask. You're rewarded for asking. Ask and you will receive that. There are many examples in the Bible of where God invites his children to ask for what they need, for what they desire. And it reflects the relationship of a good father with his child. And he invites us to ask in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so here we find David coming to his father with his request, look on me and answer me. Oh Lord, my God, boldly reaching out in faith and asking. 
when we face sorrow or difficulty, grief or pain, it can sometimes create in us a kind of silence. Sometimes hope can seem to ebb away and despair and despondency can rob us of our expectation that anything can be different or anything will change or anything will heal. Or on the flip side, we can shift into some sort of denial where we say everything's fine. We get asked, we're like, no, fine, thanks, it's well. And you know, there can be a really fine line for us here as Christians between a position of faith and a position of denial. But only one of them fully faces the facts. They can sound the same when someone talks about it, but actually they're poles apart and only one of them is life-giving. You know, to ask for help will allow us not to stay in any of these unhealthy states, neither in despondency or despair or denial. To boldly ask for help forces us to look up, to consider that a different reality is possible. And that begins to resuscitate hope. It also prevents us staying in a denial that will keep us pegged in and limited because we won't acknowledge, face or deal with the reality of what's going on in us. David points the way for us. Turn to God, bring your complaint and ask boldly for help. The fourth and the final step is to choose to trust. The final two verses of the Psalm of Lament lead us back into trust. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Trust is the destination of lament. You know, pain, grief, sorrow, trauma, disappointment, unattended to in our lives will silently erode trust will definitely erode our trust in God and this will most likely overflow into eroding our trust with other people too. The psalmist has turned to God, he's brought his complaint, he's boldly asked God to help him but he will not allow the pain and the sorrow to have the last word. He reminds himself of the nature of God. I trust in your unfailing love. He reminds himself of what has God has done for him before. He says, my heart rejoices in your salvation. You have been good to me. He even says, I will sing. That's a big shift. Lament has helped David to find a way to navigate the pain and the brokenness of his life and circumstances so it doesn't leave him shipwrecked, so it doesn't leave him silent. It provides him a way to talk about his sorrows and distress, to enable him to renew hope in God's sovereign care for him. The journey of lament delivers him back into trust, even to singing, even to praise. You know, some of us, what we need is not a season of mourning, not a season that's just mourning, but we do need to open up a pathway a way of lament to attend to what is on the inside that can deliver us back into trust. And we may well find, like David does here, that in the journey, there can still be rejoicing. There can still be joy at the goodness of God, even in the midst of the sorrow. And indeed, 
It is the goodness of God that gives us life and strength to make the journey. Turn to God. Bring your complaint. Boldly ask for help. Choose to trust. What do you need to lament? What do you need to give voice to as you come to the close of the year? Perhaps a personal loss. Perhaps grief because of bereavement. Perhaps the loss of a career or a job or your health. Perhaps a less distinct but nevertheless real sense of loss at what you've had to deal with this year. Perhaps pain, trauma, old pain still unhealed. Maybe new troubles. Maybe there's a cry in you as to the status quo. It says, how long, Lord? What do you need to lament? Now, perhaps you've already found voice for your lament before the Lord. Maybe you've expressed it, but if not, I encourage you to let David inspire you to be honest to God, to turn to God, to bring your complaint, to ask boldly for help and to choose to trust. And as we learn to lament, it will forge a new pathway through the pain to connect with God for the healing of our hearts, for our own well-being. And perhaps beyond that, we can learn to lament together for the state and for the sins of our city and our nation and our society. I believe our journey into what God has for us, bringing the kingdom, pursuing racial justice, seeking transformation in our city, these will, I think, require us to raise a corporate voice of lament to God together. But we need to begin personally and get honest to God. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do not change. And we thank you, Jesus, that you know what it is to suffer. You are described as a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. On the cross, you uttered words that the psalmist had written in lament. Help us to follow your lead. Help us to learn to lament, to be honest to you, God, to turn to you, to bring our complaint to you, to boldly ask you for help and to choose to trust you, that our hope might be restored, that our hearts might be healed, that our faith might be strengthened, and that what you deposit in us of grace and strength would flow from the inside out and be life-giving to those around us. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.